Hello and welcome to the Leading the Line podcast. Um, I'm your host, Chris Marshall. I uh, hope you're doing well and we are back after a little bit of a break with another episode where we get to meet uh, a face from the world of Scottish women's football and we are leaving Scotland. I know that we can't do that just now, which is not the best thing in the world, let's be honest, but somebody has. And this time I'm joined by one of uh, Scottish women's football's overseas stars and I think I think, and you may be able to correct me here, Caelan, the first female football, Scottish footballer to return to competitive action. Um, it's Patia Defender, Caelan Mickey. Uh, how are you doing, Caelan? I'm good, thank you, Chris. Thanks for having me on. No, um, thank you very much for coming on. Um, we were just talking about weather. It's a bit clammy in Glasgow today, but it looks like the sun's shining. I saw you were kind of out swimming the last couple of days as well. What's uh, summer like in the north of Sweden? It's actually much better than I thought. I was quite demoralised by how long the winter was, but it turns out that there's a very quick turnaround and suddenly when the snow melts, then it hits 26 degrees. And so we've had just um, a few weeks of sun so far, so it's been really good. That's awesome. Um, how have the last kind of, obviously we know the situation we're all living in, I don't want to dwell on it too much, but how's it been for you? Um, obviously, away from home, very, very new experience for you as well. How's, how's the last couple of months been? Yeah, well, it's been um, quite full on, I suppose, in terms of moving to a new country. My first time uh, actually moving out of my parents' house. So it was quite a big step to come to Sweden on uh, my own. But it's been really nice. The team has been very welcoming and, look after, and looked after well here. And um, it oddly seems to be quite free in Sweden, despite the virus. There's not really, there's kind of general restrictions, but yeah. otherwise... It's not very clamped down, so I've managed to play a lot more football than I think I would have been able to, definitely in Scotland and in other places. And yeah, I think I'm probably I'm one of the first to get back to playing a game. Just played one on Sunday, and our league starts in a couple of weeks, so looking forward to that. That would be pretty cool. I, I take it you would have saw the news. We were recording this the day after the announcement of the, the money invested by James Anderson at the women's game. Did that news make its way to you in, in Sweden? Yeah, I saw that um, on Twitter. A lot of people um, retweeting that, so that's amazing news for Scottish football. I'm really glad that we're starting to invest properly and hopefully we can get um, more resources and facilities and um, help for women's football and for the footballers in Scotland. So yeah, that's a really positive step. Cool. Uh, well, we're going to talk about obviously the fact that you're in Sweden just now, but we'll, we'll do a bit of a rewind first. I always like to go back to the start. Um, yep. kind of football, what's your first memories of it as a, as a kid? Well, I have a sister who's a couple of years older than me and everything she did, I wanted to do as well. So I think my dad bought her football when she was six and I was four. So immediately um, I just wanted to be kind of competitive with her and play football when she did. And then, um, yeah, growing up, we were kind of encouraged to play football or to try different sports and um, played for primary school teams and then gradually got um yeah, it became my favourite sport and I wanted to spend more and more time doing it. Uh, you mentioned playing for primary school teams. When was the, What was the first club that you joined, like outside of a, a kind of school environment? Um, Pentland Panthers under nines boys team was my first club. Um, so at the time, I think maybe girls and women's football was definitely only just starting to grow. Um, and it was actually my dad who and some other parents who helped set up the girls' school team in primary school and then who then worked to set up Barmere Thistle as the first girls' club that I joined in 2007 when it started. Uh, so, yeah, I went from a boys' team into that setup and then stayed with that until I went to Hibs. So, uh, yeah, I really have to kind of credit my dad and the fellow parents around that community for 
is setting up what is now the largest um, girls football club in Scotland and for kind of breaking down any barriers that there would have been for me continuing to play football. So yeah, I got a good pathway from there. Um, I love the, the name of that first team. That's that's quality. I'm, I'm big into yeah. just like, <laughs> I think team names, especially youth football, they should just be a bit of fun. So yeah, I'm into that. That's that's brilliant. Um, I think we'll definitely talk about Birmingham Youth a little bit later on as well, because I know you were you were still involved despite your playing at Hibs. Um, but you mentioned Hibs. It's probably the, it's probably the club you're most well known for playing for. Um, spent four years there, seven trophies at the club. Um, what was it like playing for Hibs? Um, first of all, during that time, a time where obviously Hibs were kind of the main contenders to Glasgow City. Yeah, well, it was a really exciting time to join because we were um, had kind of stepped up to push them very close in terms of the cup and the league. And we also had produced so many amazing players during that time. Um, you kind of look back at some of our squads with Kirsty Smith and Lizzie Arnott and Rachel McLaughlin and uh, all these types of players who have gone on to play professionally in some play- places and um, represent the national team. And so I think it was a really great place for me to develop because I was challenged by these players to perform well and kind of compete for my place in the Hibs team. And by being around such a good environment and good set of players, I was able to experience what every footballer wants to, which is the big cup finals. Going to Champions League was amazing. Um, And yeah, you kind of play for the games that are, are going to be challenge you most and also where you can kind of get a bit of the reward from winning trophies and winning medals from it as well. So I think it was a great time for me to be there and I've definitely come out of it as a better player. I mean, during that four-year spell, Hibs obviously turned over the squad a couple of times. Um, what was it like being in that when you had, like you've mentioned all the players like Lizzie Arnott or Christy Smith, it was kind of maybe a couple of spells where you maybe lost four or five players in a, in a winner. What was that like in the squad? Did, was it something that you kind of noticed and you were kind of deal with or how did that feel as being part of that squad? Yes, it was a bit strange sometimes um, because you almost felt that the players who did leave were going on to you know, a bigger club or a bigger contract. Um, so you would lose players out of your starting 11. So that was always a bit strange. And then you'd kind of bring in new players and you weren't quite sure how it would all fit together. But I think the way we responded each time has been pretty incredible. Um, kind of losing Lizzie and Kirsty over the summer and still managing to go and win the Scottish Cup and challenge really hard in the league. And then even just last season, um, managing to get the League Cup after having a summer of players moving to lots of different places and kind of having to reform the squad under a new manager and things like that. I think we adapted really well and it kind of is a credit to the club that we've managed to bring in players and fill the gaps um, quite quickly after each one. If you were to pick one memory from your your time at Hibs, uh, what's one that really stands out for you? Well, I think it probably has to be that uh, 2019 League Cup final um, where it was, as you said, a new squad. Um, People were maybe doubting how well Hibs would perform. We were trying to retain the League Cup and then it was a nil-nil battle with Glasgow City and it was one as a defender you kind of enjoy even if it's not the prettiest because you're always on your toes and you have to win every, you know, 50-50 or win your individual battles and I felt that had to be switched on throughout the whole game and then kind of got the reward for that by being able to step up and take the winning penalty to win the game so quite nice as a defender sometimes to get the um a bit of recognition for scoring and <laughs> um, as well so yeah it was just kind of a flood of relief and just um elation that we managed to 
win that game and when it's so tight it kind of makes it all the more sweet as well. I remember being at that game and at full time when you have to go to the other side, so being on the media side, the other side from the fans, and it was absolutely biblical by full time. And I think there was a lot of like good sliding celebrations, which I was a big fan of. But you're right, I think it was very much a game for people that like are into their football because it wasn't necessarily the, the thriller that, like the Scottish Cup final was, for example, um, last season as well. Yeah. But, um, see, when you look back at your time at Hibs and obviously getting so close to Glasgow City, especially in the, in the league in 2018, is it, yeah. is it always going to be something that you kind of like, oh, we were so close, we just, is that going to hang? Or, or did you kind of get over it because of the, the cup successes? I think it was always a frustration and it is a very strange one. And I've talked to some Glasgow City players about this as well, um, how odd it was that we fell into the pattern. It was almost a mental thing um, where I sometimes thought that if someone told our team that it was a cup game rather than a league game, then we would go out and win it. Um, but for some reason, we could never quite get um, the win over them in the league. And yeah, I think 2018 was especially hard to take because we had run it so close and because we'd beaten them, well, we ended up beating them twice in the cups. And it was just one game and one goal that meant that um, they got the league and we had a yeah, higher goal difference at the time. So even if we'd got the draw, it was just so frustrating. And it's, I don't think it really tells the story of Scottish football and how close we came when you kind of look at how Glasgow City have won the league 12 years or whatever in a row. I think um, it has been frustrating that we couldn't make our mark and show that we can um, achieve the league when we came so close. Well, one of the other things that you obviously got the opportunity to do at Hibs was play Easter Road. Um, it's, uh, but were you around for the Bayern Munich game? Uh, I may have... Yes, yeah. but... Uh, yeah, not a huge part to play. Not a huge part. So <laughs> let's, let's talk more about the, the, the game against Slavia Prague. Then what, what was that like playing Easter Road? Yeah, it was amazing. It was a great feeling. We, you know, you get an evening game midweek and um, there's so much advertising going on with it. And we were going into schools and trying to talk to young girls about participating in football. And we could say, oh, there's a big game on um, at Easter Road. And I think it automatically attracts more fans when it is in such a well-known stadium and Hibs men's fans as well as the women's fans and um, yeah it's just a different atmosphere having the crowd behind you and to score first was incredible and I think we could have maybe got more out of that game as well but uh, it just shows you when you step up to Champions League football that any chance you give the opposition then they're much more clinical than I think we were but just to have that experience and to play yeah almost it's kind of romantic in the way you describe it under the lights at Easter Road. And it was, yeah, you get the sense of what it could be like if women's football keeps developing in that way and keep getting big crowds and uh, kind of have that atmosphere that you're maybe missing on a regular week. Yeah, I remember thinking at full time of that one, you were maybe a little bit harsh in the, the final scoreline, but um, we'll move on from that now. Um, we've talked already about how there's been a turnover in the Hib squad and in December you became part of the turnover. Um, moving to Patia in the Damalsvenskin, which I love saying. Um, <laughs> how, did, how did the move come about? Um, well, we played Pitio, I think it was the beginning of 2019, in a friendly they came over um, and kind of played Glasgow City Spartans and us. So I had known a little bit about them. Uh, but my agent's Golden Platinum Sports contacted me 
on a Sunday, I think, and said, we've got a flight, they're kind of interested in you, we've got a flight to go and visit them on the Tuesday, do you want to go? And I think my initial reaction was a bit like, well, I've never flown by myself before, I've always been in a group, and oh, I've got an essay for university, so maybe I'll give this a miss, and told my parents, and they were like, what are you talking about <laughs> on the plane? Um, <laughs> so I did go and visit them in December, and just their setup, um, the opportunity to play professionally, having all the resources there, the kind of focus on both having a winning team and on individual development really appealed to me. And of course, the competitiveness of the Swedish league is well known where any team can win. It's a battle every week, which I think you sometimes don't have that type of competition and intensity of competition in Scotland all the time. Um, and so, yeah, I was really impressed when I came to visit and they said, could you decide within a few days whether you want to sign because we'll need to look for other players if not and it ended up being a bit of a um, no-brainer almost that this was just the perfect move and the perfect place and um, yeah looking back I think it's one of the best decisions that I've made in my career so really pleased that I've got the opportunity and my parents made me get on the plane. <laughs> Your parents are good for stuff like that sometimes. Um, yeah. was, was there like one moment where you went yeah this is it I know you've mentioned there's lots of things but was there one point where you just went no I think I need to do this? Yes and it was actually I kind of arrived on the Tuesday night and then spent the Wednesday talking to the coaches and seeing what their plans were and watching clips of the team and they showed me how clips of me that they'd seen and how they thought it all fit in and then they talked about how they would provide you know the apartment and make it so easy for me just to move in and uh, I think just the ease of it and made it seem like it wasn't as big a jump as it perhaps could have been and the fact that I kind of got the sense that I would be looked after so actually on the Wednesday evening when I was kind of thinking over everything they told me I got the feeling that I would definitely be coming back and I think when I went home and talked to my parents it was just challenging them to say is there a reason I shouldn't go and we yeah. couldn't really come up with any options didn't find a better offer so um yeah it was uh yeah easy decision in the end almost how's uh, how's the relationship been with the parents since you've been over especially during a time like this where everybody's kind of keen to be close to, to family and things like that um, yeah, I think it was, I moved over myself in January because I didn't want them there at the beginning so that they, I could have to ask for help from my teammates and get to know them all better and uh, kind of have that independence at the beginning so that I didn't miss their company um, if they were to go again. And they came over and visited in February when I was all settled and that was quite nice. But I think it's just really useful that we've got the technology now that we can stay in touch through FaceTime or WhatsApp or whatever so it doesn't feel like they're too far away and um, I have got some family in the south of Sweden which is actually a long way away because uh, <laughs> Sweden's <laughs> such a long country but it's nice having that where I could go and visit them in March um, and I think my parents and sister were meant to come over uh, again in the year but haven't been able to but I think having kind of a connection down south and also uh, social media has made it okay. And now that we've got the league to focus on again, then I haven't been too homesick. And we're all kind of uh, each other's friends and family in the team since we all come from lots of different areas, either in Sweden or abroad. So it's quite a nice community feel here. So um, not not missing them too much, it's okay. That's that's good to hear. Um, I tell you what, we, we've talked about Patia, but I know that there'll be some people listening to this not really knowing that much about 
Katia itself. So could you give us a kind of little bit of like what's it like in that part of the world where it is and kind of just how how the club how the club's situated in, in the kind of Swedish football landscape? Yeah, so Pizza itself is one degree south of the Arctic Circle, so we are very far north. Um, so in the winter, the sun kind of rises at half past ten and sets at 1pm. Um, but in the summer at the moment, we're getting a midnight sun. So it's quite a contrast um, and you get a lot of snow, lots and lots of snow. I think that was one of the biggest shocks for me in the winter. Um, and then... So what we do is we play inside an air dome in during the winter, um, which is quite incredible. It's like a yeah the blow up thing that's a full size pitch um, and heated inside, which is very useful. And then they've got under pitch heating for our outdoor pitch so that they can melt the snow. Um, and then it's such a small town um, that everything is kind of a five minute walk away, so I can actually see the pitch from my balcony from my apartment. And then. Um, the gym is just five minutes away as well and you can cycle down to the shop and everything so it's close but it's got everything that you need and also because Picchio women's team are the biggest team in town because we're in the top league and the men's team um, aren't in that um, yeah in the top league in their league so the women's team is definitely the biggest team in town so we get first uh, priority in all the resources and facilities and we have the whole town is basically a fan and um, so they get uh, a couple of thousand supporters to each game and uh, a lot of support so whilst the virus has been happening um, we've had kind of sold the virtual tickets to games that didn't happen yeah, yeah. and sold over a thousand of them so the sport is great and you kind of get recognized when you go to the shop or on Sunday when I was walking back from the game and a woman you know, stopped me and said, oh, I watch the match on TV. And so it's uh, quite amazing. I'm looking forward to getting all the, seeing when the public can come watch the games and what it's like, because I think there's such a more recognition and support for women's football here than there had been in Scotland. Was that a bit kind of weird the first time that happened? I mean, it might, might have happened when you're in Edinburgh, but I know it would have been far less frequent. So being in that kind of small community, that first time somebody came up to you and spoke to you about, about playing for the side is that a bit strange yeah I think it was strange when kind of neighbors and people introduced themselves and they said oh my name is whatever and I said oh I'm Caitlin and they said yes we know we read about <laughs> you in the paper or oh yes you're the Scottish girl and people when people come up to me to our team and speak to us they'll speak to my teammates in Swedish and then turn to me and immediately speak English so there's no doubt that they know who I am <laughs> so it has been uh, a bit strange but it's nice um, and yeah, it's good to know that the whole town is kind of behind you as well. You mentioned obviously it's so far north, right, just off the Arctic Circle, um, and the days being sometimes a bit long, sometimes a bit short. Does that take a bit yeah. of getting used to as well? I mean, I remember going to Reykjavik for, for a holiday and the sun didn't come mm-hmm. up till like half 11, but then it was like back down again at like three in the afternoon. Did that take a little bit of getting used to as well, especially I'm guessing body clocks come into effect there as well? Yes, um, it was a bit strange to see just how dark it got and especially when there was so much snow then you hardly saw the sun at all because there'd be clouds um, yeah, snowing down. So it was pretty strange how yeah, dark it could be for the whole time and now you really need to invest in blackout curtains because the sun just doesn't go down and you're definitely awake. You feel more awake at night all the time um, because it is so bright. So everybody kind of 
has been saying, oh, have you never seen the midnight sun? And so I've been quite looking forward to it being summer now, but it is strange that you, you do kind of go from that complete opposite. Um, so it is a bit of adjusting and trying to keep the lights on when it's um, dark outside and then trying to shut it all out in the summer. So. It's, um, we, you've kind of talked a little bit about the Dan Malzvensky and, and the kind of level about it. I know you've only really played a couple of friendly so far, but what, what's your take in terms of playing level? Uh, now you've been out on the pitch a couple of times. Um, I think it's definitely a bit more intense, but I think it's because all the teams are a bit more even than they have been. I think at Hibs we had a lot of possession and it was about trying to break down teams, whilst here we're a team that definitely kind of... Um, goes really intense when we do press and we need to work a bit harder in defence maybe, but also trying to break down teams with counter-attacks and require maybe a bit more um, creativity and patience to get through teams. So it's definitely a step up and as a fullback, you can feel that you're making the runs more often and um, doing your shift both in attack and defence. And I think also in training, um, although you could achieve the type of intensity that we have um, with Hibs um, you kind of only achieve that at Hibs maybe once a week whilst here because you've got time to recover and because the team are all kind of um, full time and and they've got the maybe higher standard slightly then you're looking at more intensity more often so every single training session is you're putting in 100% effort and you're being challenged all the time and it's always a battle as if you're in a game so I think I really enjoyed having that challenge all the time and I'm quite looking forward to having that challenge week in, week out on the weekends with the matches as well. Um, in terms of culturally, in terms of how you're playing and just kind of living there, what's kind of the biggest thing you've taken away from taking away from it so far? Is there anything that you've kind of learned that you went, didn't even think you were going to learn when you kind of moved over? Um, well, I think one thing that I'm trying to learn a lot is the language, firstly, because I've got family and Mamo as well. So it's useful for me to learn Swedish in the long term so that I can talk to family too. <laughs> but also, Swedes are much better at being outside. Like, So when it's snowing, they say, do you want to have a barbecue? And I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> but still, uh, yeah, just put on a big jacket and have a barbecue and have and kind of sausages and hamburgers or whatever outside and then do exactly the same in the summer and there's a kind of stereotype about Swedish people that when the sun comes out they just stop and soak up the sun and it's very true everybody just kind of stops and sits on a bench whether it's cold or warm it's almost like um, if the vitamin D comes out then everybody soaks it up so it's, it's been quite nice because I feel uh, kind of a bit fresher of being outside more and um, I think maybe Scotland is sometimes quite grey whilst here it's, uh, you do get the big shift in the seasons and you can kind of experience a very different lifestyle um, depending on the seasons as well. So it's been quite nice and I think I'm going to go home as an expert in barbecuing. Well, that's good. I think everybody loves a barbecue. Um, yeah. No, I, th I think, and I think that your, your point about being outdoors, I think it's something that everybody in Scotland has started to really appreciate because Really, realistically, a lot of things you can only do is go out for a run and go out for a walk at the moment. And mm -hmm. I think, you know, a lot of people, including myself, I think I've explored every part of Glasgow within a five-mile radius over these last three months. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's been good. Um, so let's talk about Birmingham Thistle, um, because we mentioned them earlier on. You were a coach there. Um, I'm pretty sure you yeah. won an award at some point. Did I remember this rightly? 
Um, yes. I was nominated for um, Young Coach of the Year, right? Yeah, Youth Coach of the Year. That was it. That was it, yeah. yeah um, is it something that uh, you've been able to do since you've moved over to Sweden? Is it something that you're missing, like the coaching part of it for you? What, what's that experience like for you? Um, I think I was really enjoying my coaching journey in Scotland. I was part of a kind of coaching education team that went to the World Cup and analysed games and things like that. And I had done my sea licence and then managed to take an under-15 team at Bournemouth Thistle. So I was kind of developing um, and learning a lot from doing those things and I was enjoying it. Um, but here, the de- I have kind of considered um, doing more coaching um, and maybe trying it here but at the moment I think it's really about focusing on playing and then um, it'll, learning the language maybe a bit more and then see what opportunities there are but um, being now kind of on a full-time athlete and being um, a player I think the focus is more there and we do do uh, video analysis and talk a lot in our team about um, the team shape and it's a bit more tactical than we have at Hibs so I still feel like I'm picking up a lot of things that I can hopefully use if I return to coaching in the future. Do you think the the, the fact that Scotland and obviously moving towards a more professional model now is clubs kind of offering some player wages, do you think the fact that Scotland is mainly amateur, part-time, however you want to box it up and um, do you think that kind of helps him with those kind of coaching programs because you mentioned obviously taking Burham you're under, uh, under 15s for example whereas now because you're you are a full-time athlete do you find that maybe actually your time's a little bit reduced in that because you really need to focus on on your playing side of the career at the moment? Um, I suppose I think that there's still a big lack of uh, female coaches in Scotland and I think that maybe is because and um, people are coming yeah maybe it's a growing thing and uh, you kind of have former players who are now becoming coaches so you get might get more and more of them um but i think more for me here um it is just the yeah training more often and training in the evenings and having to recover means that um the times that the younger kids are training is kind of the same as ours so there is a bit more of a clash whilst i think the only free time that I had I decided to do coaching in Scotland but I think we still lack female coaches in Scotland and we probably I'm not sure how many they have in Sweden but I think we could probably get a lot more and whether that's because of time management or um, just having more players deciding to take that pathway and yeah I'm not sure which one it is. I mean, I've seen a lot of uh, Zoom, Zoom sessions with coaches kind of going on. I think I've seen some of the, the kind of national players and some of the, the players in the SWPL doing them. So, yeah, I think you're right. I think um, part of the reason for doing these podcasts is to kind of get more female recognition out there so people can kind of know mm-hmm. the name. So I think that's great. Um, you're also still studying. Um, you're doing a yeah. politics degree. Um, yeah. we, we were joking before we started recording, we're not going to start talking about <laughs> allegiances or political landscapes in the broader context because there's enough of that already but in terms of um, like studying while you're playing full-time how, how's that working for you? Well um, I had done three and a half years of my degree and I was meant to graduate just now in summer um, having completed it but uh, the university let me take the first half of this year out so that I could settle in Sweden and 
get to know people and um, really set myself up properly. So now the plan is I'm almost doing it part-time um, where I've just got half a course to finish um, before Christmas. So I'm going to aiming to submit my dissertation in August and then do a couple of modules before Christmas and that should be me done. So I have a bit um, longer to focus just on the dissertation just now, which is helpful. So I've been doing some data collection and interviews with um, some counsellors over uh, Skype at the moment. Um, and then, yeah, so having it spread out a bit further is allowing me to manage my time a bit better. Um, but ultimately, I think the first priority just now is football, but hopefully I can manage to and finish off since I'm so close to finishing my degree I would like to take it off. <laughs> is it something that's quite, um, was it something when you spoke to the university about the fact you had this opportunity was it something that they were quite easily able to facilitate for you in terms of stretching it out maybe that little bit longer? Yeah they were really good actually and they had known before that I was um, a footballer and played a lot because we'd had to kind of manage going away on trips to Champions yeah, League and um, things like that so I think they were quite familiar and my personal tutor was great and they realized that this was a really big opportunity and luckily because I'd managed to show that I was responsible and taking um response yeah taking responsibility for my work when I was away and keeping up with the different deadlines even as I had quite a full schedule of football then they were quite happy for me to continue it abroad and actually, ironically, the virus might help with that because I think a lot of university stuff will now be online for the rest of the year. So that will make my job even easier, I think. That's pretty good. I, I will ask you one kind of politics question, which is there's been a lot of chat in Scotland, particularly about the manoeuvring of clubs. Do you, do you see some matters between football and politics sometimes in terms of just how the kind of landscape sometimes pans out? Yeah, well, I think we look at the politics at university is um, deciding who gets what, when and how. So I think if you think along those lines, then you can see how kind of sharing out resources or prioritizing facilities or managing kind of the quality in sport um, can automatically be quite political. So I think, yeah, you see um, quite a lot of trends and conversations in both. Uh, in terms of plans going forward then, um, you're obviously playing professionally just now in Sweden. You've got your university degree, a bit of coaching as well. What's, I, know, I don't want to plan out your life for you just now, it's far too early for that. But um, what, what kind of things would you like to achieve in the next couple of years? Well, I'm looking to just become the best player that I can be. Um, so that's always seeking out an environment that will challenge me and um, hopefully improve me as a player and as a person. And maybe that can... Uh, help me step towards the national team as well because that's something I think every player really dreams of playing for their country and something that I experienced at youth level and would love to experience again so it's just trying to focus on myself and see what path I can take to achieve that and then um, I've always kind of said that my plan B would be a rock star and plan <laughs> C would be first minister so you know maybe if I retire at some point we um, <laughs> can get out the guitar again and if I can do a bit of that before going into politics maybe I'll let them sort out you know Brexit and the virus and everything first and maybe I can come in when it's a bit easier oh that that definitely sounds like the best idea just skip all the hard stuff let's just get in yeah. get in where the, the wound's getting good um on on the you mentioned obviously on the national side um and at the moment in Scotland there's an under 19 side and then it, it kind of jumps up to the, the full full national team the a squad 
Um, it's something I've asked a couple of people about. I'm keen to get your point of view on it as somebody who's, who's played youth, uh, youth internationals. Do you think it'd be good if somehow we could get that middle that middle grade in there, like an under-20s, I think it's quite common in women's football, to kind of help with that yeah. next step a little bit? Yeah, I mean, Sweden has an under-23s, um, so it is sometimes a bit strange at the beginning of the year to see people my age being able to go off to camps and um, play for their country, which... Uh, yeah, it's a good stepping stone um, to keep a lot of players interested and have the goal and um, not be out of the running or out of recognition for too long. And I think maybe Scotland didn't have it before because there weren't as many players and, you know, it was uh, maybe you could step up from 19s into the A squad um, because of that more easily. But I think now that we've got so many coming up that I think it's a good incentive to keep them in the game and keep them interested, especially um as the game continues to become professionalized and there's more um opportunity to get help from their clubs as well because i think sometimes when it was amateur and everybody was amateur in scotland then you'd kind of come out of the national setup and have a club that wasn't giving you any funding or was um and it would kind of be at that point you had to decide whether to keep playing football or not Plus, I think if you kind of have that national team goal still there and then maybe a bit more support from your clubs in terms of funding and resources, um, then it could keep all these players that are coming up um, more engaged for longer and hopefully have a bigger pool and a more competitive league overall. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think there, there's definitely a wee gap there that hopefully, I mean, we still have so many other things are going on in the world just now, but um, I think it's definitely something hopefully gets looked at. Right, I think that's enough football chat, so we're going to round off a little bit of food chat. Um, okay. So, first question: Are you a big foodie? Do you like your food? What's what's your yes, yes? And now, is it a, a making, eating, or is it a bit of both? A bit of both. I definitely like trying new things, which has been great coming here because there's a lot of different um, foods that I wouldn't normally have or wouldn't mix together. Like they have taco nights all the time here, so it's basically fajitas except with mints, and they put bananas in it. And you know, never tried that, and they have. They make brunches with kind of salmon and scrambled eggs and it's good quality here and you can try lots of different things. So enjoying that part of Sweden, definitely. I mean, mints and bananas is, is pretty strange, let's, let's be honest. Um, anything <laughs> else? Is there anything that you've had that you just, you hadn't even heard of before? Or you've seen that yet, you've tried it, you're kind of going, I never would have had this if I hadn't come to Sweden. Um, reindeer. Okay. Which is actually very nice. It's kind of like a lean meat. So I've tried venison before, but um, reindeer is kind of a different level, I think. Um, and I need to try this fish, um, which apparently is really, really smelly. And they they say that you can't open the uh, carton of fish inside because it will stink up everything. <laughs> so I need to try that, but it's kind of like Marmite here in Sweden. Like everybody knows about it, but some people are saying you can't yeah it's not good and other people saying it's the best thing that's happened so and um, yeah i'm looking forward to trying that to see what i think <laughs> I, th- I think i have a, i've seen a can of that getting opened up outside somewhere and it did clear the room i think it's probably fair to say mm. um what about like if you could have if you're put into a desert island uh, what, would, what would be your one thing that you could have for the rest of life uh, in terms of food um is it like a meal? Or yeah, I'll give you a meal. Or if it's just one thing, one thing's cool. 
Um, well, what I love is raisins, to be honest. Like, I have <laughs> Really? <laughs> yeah, because they're like sweet, but they're kind of a fruit and, you know, you have them on porridge, I have them with biscuits and <laughs> a nice snack. But I do love, yeah, I mean, I love smoked salmon, but I don't think I could have that every day because it's quite a strong flavour. Yeah. Um, so I think maybe my snack would be raisins and my meal has had been um, chicken Kievs before, quite like a good chicken Kiev. But meatballs they have a lot here in Sweden yeah. and you can kind of stick a lot of different things in meatballs too but I think it's probably going to be chicken kievs as a meal and raisins as a snack. Chicken kievs and raisins, <laughs> nice. Definitely did not expect raisins uh, so that's that's good to hear. Well, I always actually, like the Yeah I mean I always as a treat then I'd get chocolate raisins and my parents have actually just sent me a packet of chocolate raisins in the post so <laughs> I was going to ask you. That's probably my next question for you. Is there anything that you've missed from from Scotland since you've been that you can't you can't get? Um, yes, I think I don't normally have haggis, but the fact that everybody here asks me that <laughs> I'm now craving haggis. Um, <laughs> but uh, over Easter, um, I was craving a Cadbury's cream egg, and so the Gold Platinum Sports had asked me, "Was there anything we can send you?" And I was like, "To be honest." A cream egg and a bit of chocolate orange would tide me over for um, a nice little memory of home. So uh, they obliged to that. So I've had a couple of treat snacks from Scotland um, where they're just not the same if they are trying to be replicated in Sweden. I, my, I've been to Gothenburg and my memory of uh, Gothenburg is a vine pick and mix and everything tasting like licorice and never been so upset in mm. all my life. Because um, they're big, yes. they're big on licorice. Um, have you had the is it like salted licorice? I think of yeah, it was so confusing because I looking at it, they were like, "Oh, do you just want a piece of the sweet?" And it, it just looked like it was kind of dusted with sugar. I didn't expect it to be salt. I yeah. didn't know what hit it. Me. it was, <laughs> yeah, it was a big shock. Yeah, I brought I brought a, a jar home of it for people to try. I think it sat in my drawer for maybe about six months, and I just binned it because nobody wanted. To, yeah, uh, to no, I wasn't a fan either. Um. Putting, putting the salty licorice aside, if, what is the worst thing that somebody could put in front of you for advice? Like, what would be the, the worst thing? Um, probably, like, the vinegar or something that's... Um, what do you call it when they're putting the... Uh, <laughs> like, oh, the glasses. Oh, like pickles? Yeah. Uh-huh. That type of thing. We can't, yeah. What's, what's the what's the rationale behind that? Uh, just like the taste is just so strong that it's not something I go for. I mean, I'm quite good at eating most things, but I think that's just um, a bit too strong for me and a bit too kind of sour and strange. Are yeah. you ve- are you very much like you'll try something you won't make an opinion on it before you try it? Is there anything you've refused yeah. to try, or you just will always give everything a go? No, I always give everything a go. Good yeah. stuff. I'm, I'm a fan of that approach <laughs> as well. Um, right, okay, I'm going to ask you a question. I ask everybody this question now. Tunnix make four products. They make the Tunnix wafer, Tunnix tea cake, the caramel log, and the snowball. If you can only pick one, uh, which one would it be? Tunnix tea cake. Uh, okay, why, why would you go for the tea cake? Because I love marshmallow. And it's got the kind of crispy bit. I mean, caramel wafer comes pretty close, but the tea cake, you just can't eat it. I mean, I kind of, I'm one of those people who kind of eats the chocolate outside and then kind of tries to eat as much of the biscuit as you can. So it becomes a mess and then save the marshmallow to last, which is very sticky. And yeah, but I just, 
it's got it's got the kind of crunchy bit that I mean the marshmallow is just amazing. Like, um, and what about the wrapper? Are you do you do anything? You know, a lot of people are very like specific about what they do with the wrapper. Have you got a particular thing you do? Or do you not really bothered? Um, I kind of try to unwrap it without tearing it, so that it's kind of nice and <laughs> crisp at the end. But after that, I just bunch it up and yeah, put it in. Get it in the bin. Cool. Yeah. Um, okay, your season's about starting uh, in Sweden. So say it goes super well. Tia win the league, happy days, mm-hmm. and you are organising a trip back to Edinburgh to celebrate. Where would you take the team out for the celebration celebration dinner? Celebration dinner? Um, I mean, I think I'd kind of have to take them somewhere up north. I think maybe the, the dream for them would be if I took them on that train it's the Harry Potter train. Yes, yeah, yeah. They're all pretty obsessed with Harry Potter. We end up at a kind of seaside town. I can't remember which one you do end up at, but I've been on that train and I remember going. And then there's a kind of maybe just a traditional Scottish fish and chip shop or something, or haggis. Get them all to try haggis because they're all really scared of it. But I'm telling them it's you know <laughs> it tastes really good. And um, yeah, because they do. Whenever they speak of Scotland, they talk about how beautiful the Highlands are and things, and they do talk about Harry Potter a lot. So I think that would be the ideal trip for them and get a good bit of classic Scottish culture. If there was someone on the bagpipes in the town as well, I mean, I think that would just complete the trip for them. That I mean, well, that sounds the most peak Scottish thing you could, you could probably do: get the Highland train, but I guess fish and chips, bagpipes, ideal. I think so. Perfect. Well, Galen, thank you very much for coming on. It's uh, really appreciated to give you your time. Much, much appreciated. Yeah, well, thank you very much for the chat. It's been great. No problem. And thank you very much for listening. Um, it's been a wee while, so it's good to be back. Um, remember, you can follow at Leading the Line on Twitter, leadingtheline.com for the website. Um, the podcast is on all the usual places. If you're listening to it, it means you've found it. Excellent. Tell other people about it. Give it five stars. But until next time, thank you very much for listening. Stay safe and best week again soon. Catch you later.